before we start this awesome podcast, I wanted to invite you to go to trekoffmovie.com. There you can see the trailer and get information about Trek Off the Motion Picture, a movie based on this podcast. Go there. You can like us on Facebook from there. Just go to trekoffmovie.com. Pause it and go. Okay, now you're back. Also, you can get more of the hundreds of hours of Trek Off podcast at trekoffpodcast.com or by searching Trek Off in iTunes. Okay, go ahead and pause and do that. Okay, now you've done both those things. It's time to listen to Trek Off, trekoffmovie.com and trekoffpodcast.com. Share it with all your friends. Warning, the Trek Off episode you're about to listen to has plot spoilers and naughty language, so listener discretion is advised. It's time for Trek Off. Enterprise Double D's. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name's Alexia. Uh, Mr. A got all crazy on the email. Yeah, he did. He was an email and um, fool. Um, let's back up a little while. Um, we all went, as we mentioned uh, last show, to see a movie called Sparks um, that was directed by Chris Foligno. Uh, and uh, we were invited because uh, one of the people in the movie and a friend of Chris Foligno is Daniel Ross. Um, Who we all love. Yeah, Ross went to L.A. Right? right? He went to live in L.A. He drove all across the country. I called him every single day like at, really? nine, at nine saying, where are you? Where are you now? For those of you who don't know who Daniel Ross is, if you watch our trailer at trekoffmovie.com, um, if you watch our trailer, you will see uh, Ross is the guy getting uh, getting his back waxed um, in the trailer. So that's Daniel Ross. Um, anyway, Daniel was in this, was in this film, uh, Sparks. We got a chance to meet. Uh, William Catt, Ashley Bell, um, and it was directed by this guy named Chris Foligno, who, when I was making Ninjas vs. Monsters, talked to me a little bit about a sequence that we were going to try and do that we ended up scrapping because we couldn't afford it. Um, but I talked to Chris, and then I got to go there, and and I got to hang out you know, with with Mike Dougherty and, and Jay Spence. We did, did not not feel, Alexia, like we had like a little like little director's corner going for like, <laughs> like I, I had this very sense like we were in a corner talking about directory shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think that um, probably happened. It um, was, and it was so cool, just like getting to hang. Like you know, like I that was my first. I had never met or spoken with uh, Chris before that, and like just he's just a cool guy. And and William Cat and Ashley, they're just like cool well, and, people. Like and, and it was I, awesome. I did really well with Ashley, but I really and we'll talk. You'll hear about it later in this show. Um, but I really kind of was a doofus around William Cat. I felt um, like I was too. Like I tried not to be, but it was hard for me to like not just molest him all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah, I think you came off as charming, and I came off as like, you know, there occasionally I'll have those nights when when I like it's almost like a manic episode. Like, hey, how's it going? Nah, 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 nah. You know, you, the, those are, those of you who've heard the show know that there are days. You know that what that, those are that, like, <laughs> and and for show purposes, it's great. Most of this we will not admit uh, if and when we can get Bill Cat on the show. Um, right. <laughs> like we're going to be really cool. But I don't want to talk anymore. You know why? Because people who have tuned in, it's not like it's a surprise. Like It's not like I'm not going to mention it in the title of the episode. Right. It's not like I'm not going to tell you in the title of the episode. Like, what who the fuck are they going to talk to? Ooh, I, don't I don't know. Um, if you've seen like, I want to like blare it everywhere. Like I feel like I want to call so many people right now and be like, you'll never believe what I just got off the phone with. It was so great. You know, they're... they're <laughs> If you read any articles about him, they, they immediately bring up the fact that he's Ron Howard's brother. Um, we could have talked to him for another hour without mentioning that fact. This guy I know. He's um, so, is, so if you look at it, 
And if we, I wish we had had another hour to do that because if you look, he's done a ton of independent work. He's done a ton of television. He's done a, a, a this is Clint Howard that we're talking yeah, he's about. He's just he's, a hardworking he's, guy. You know what I'm done, saying? He's done a ton of my favorite films. This guy is, is a Star Trek god, this guy, as well as being just like a truly, truly just a mensch, just a great guy. Um, yes, it's a lovely so, human being. So you're going to hear us intro the show again as if we didn't just intro the show, but we thought that we would just talk about uh, context, where it came from. Special thanks to uh, Mr. A and to uh, Chris Foligno for setting Chris this up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say right now, because we, it takes a while for us to get to Sparks, this is all predicated on, on Sparks the movie. Can I just say uh, Sparks is essentially a low-budget superhero uh, film noir. Think Watchmen or Sin City, but done. Um Done very at, much like a film noir 40s kind of feel to it. <laughs> and you'll hear more about it later on. But without further ado, um, here's Clint Howard. Yeah. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And today we have a guest on the show, um, someone that everyone is going to know, someone that uh, anyone who's a Star Trek fan should know, someone who, if you are a Star Trek fan and you don't know, you need to hang up your Star Trek fan hat right now. There, there is there is a term uh, that is that is uh, used in sci-fi. I've heard it used in Star Wars and in, in Firefly and in Star Trek. And that term term is uh, is hat trick. And what a hat trick is is in a show if someone appears in three different iterations. For instance, there are people uh, who in the Joss Whedon universe appears in Buffy and Angel and Firefly and their characters like that you would call a hat trick. There are very few hat tricks in Star Trek and very very few who appear in the original series all the way through enterprise um in enterprise the original series and in deep space nine um you also know him from uh any number of things how the grinch trolls christmas uh gentle ben uh you would know him especially if you have seen the amazing new film sparks which we're going to talk about ladies and gentlemen the one the only hi clint howard (laughs) well that is a wonderful introduction and thank you very much you know, you left a lot of shit out, if I just may say for myself. <laughs> well, well g- given that we have like about 20 minutes, I was just going to read your IMDb, but then it, you wouldn't have a chance yeah, to talk. Well, you, you geeked out a little bit with the Star Trek thing, and I can follow through with that because I understand geeks. I, I kind <laughs> of I speak their language, so to speak. Awesome. So, no, but anyway, there is kind of a reason why there there hasn't been a lot of people that have done multiple incarnations of, of the Star Trek series, Patrick, as you like to call it. Um, uh, and I, you know, I can tell you about that and it's just, um, um, I just, Hey everybody, you know, uh, <laughs> I hope everybody's having a good time. Um, it sounds like we have a giggler in the audience. That's yeah, me. That, I can't that, that, that would be Alexia. If you uh, if you see the trailer to our new film, Trek Off the Motion Picture, uh, most of the trailer is her just guffawing. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. And you know, I find I find nothing wrong with that at all. Listen, I have been so blessed by being a part of this uh, Star Trek universe. Yeah, I and cannot even imagine how you like. It was I, not my choosing. It was not my parents' choosing. It was just circumstance, being in the right place at the right right time. And obviously, I was a kid that by that age had proven that I was not going to get intimidated by a situation. I mean, you know, there there were kids that were cute, but yet you couldn't put them with an animal or you couldn't have them do something different. And it seemed like the one thing that dad was always able to 
to do for both myself and my brother is explain to us that there wasn't anything that we couldn't do while actors. You know, dealing with a bear, for instance, um, doing sci-fi. We were playing roles. We were cowboys and Indians. You know, we were doing... We were doing that. We just got you know better props to use. Well, bring right. br- bring me back to mom and dad because I know they were both actors. What like what what was it like growing up as a child of actors and 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 at what point did you know that this was something that you wanted to do? Well, now my mom, uh, Jean Jean Spiegel Howard, she passed away several years ago. She she was known. She played Grandma Lovell in Apollo thirteen, but she's okay. done. Numerous episodes of Roseanne and Married with Children and various movies. And Mom had a wonderful second career as a character actress. But for a long time, she just, once she became Ron's mother, she became a stay-at-home mom. And and Dad did his work. I mean, Dad is always, Dad is still alive. Rance Howard is his, his name. And they're the ones that actually came out from Oklahoma to make their mark in the entertainment business. I mean, first it was New York City, and it was actually Dad's agent that told him, leave town, go to, go to Los Angeles, you know, which is kind of a sad thing to hear from your agent. <laughs> but the fact is, is, is my dad's agent knew that the real work was going to happen in Los Angeles. This is like right when the um, television series business went into, you know, being and all the Westerns were being made, and Dad got quite a bit of work being in those Westerns because he was raised on a horse. Hmm. Um, so anyway, that's how the family journey happened. Um, in fact, in fact, um, my dad and my mom both independently went to the University of Oklahoma not knowing each other. Now, Dennis Weaver was either a junior or a senior, and, and my parents were undergrads. And being, you know, an upper division student, Dennis ran one of the scene study classes. And Dennis paired my mom and dad together in a scene study class at the University of Oklahoma. And so that's how they actually met and the spark started flying. And their journey began there, thanks to Dennis. Um, But how I was introduced to the business it was by osmosis because I do not remember. I mean, my very first memories are of me with my brother, and he's five years older than me, so I had to have been, you know, less than two. And so he was probably six. And we were playing under the theater seats at a community theater. Because my mom and dad, when, when they weren't, you know, when my dad wasn't acting professionally, he was always trying to get one of his plays read or get one of his plays done or find some part that he could do. My dad loved the theater, and so did Mom, and they did community theater. So my first memories are me being babysat under those theater seats, listening to the actors act and listening to the director direct the, the actors. So, you know, if it's in anybody's blood, it's in mine. Definitely. It, it, That's all, cool. it all has seems to have come very second nature to me. Now, with, with Ron being five years older than you, and I see that like one of your very, very first credits is on the Andy Griffith show. Yes. Well, it, it, it was a mistake. Uh, um, normally, Mom would stay at home with me 
and Dad would, would look after Ron. That particular day, Dad had an audition for himself that he needed to excuse himself and go do the audition because he needed to try to get a job. And and so anyway, Mom came down and sat with Ron, and, and I was there in tow. I was about two years old at the time. And this is one thing. There was not one day, not one day in either one of our juvenile careers that that we had a paid employee look after us hmm. or a guardian. It was always mom or dad. They felt it was really important that, you know, they just don't hand this off to the to the adults. Because That's having awesome. a child in, in show business is really putting those, that child in an adult world. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? It just made sense to my parents that they better kind of keep a pretty short leash and, and, and make sure that they're there to teach. Well, it's, I mean, it seems like in the, in the age we are now, you know, the, these child stars, uh, which I, I'm not here to criticize the Lindsay Lohans or the Miley Cyruses, but to the, you know, to the. Well, Lindsay Lohan's not a child star. She's a middle-aged woman now. Well, and that's. I mean, there, comes a, there comes a point where the teenage thing kind of like stops and sort of, you know, the, 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 the reverse mortgage opportunities for commercial <laughs> endorsement come up because i guarantee you we're going to see Lindsay lohan doing reverse mortgage commercials before you know it oh my god <laughs> but not how, how like how do you like how do you think it's it was the presence of your parents that made it the that you because you guys come like from the layperson we're out in washington dc um and you know we have as fans been following you know both of your careers forever and you seem so grounded and having been child stars do you think it's the presence of the parents that makes that that like yeah. that's the difference yeah and we haven't moved around i have the same friends been married a long time the same woman lived in the same place i have the same responsibilities but but maybe yeah no no parenting dad dad is going to heaven Dad's going to get, he's got a special chair there. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a, listen, mom's already there. And, 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 and I know dad as a mentor, as a guide, as just a person who helped a couple of little guys grow up and get out into the world. He did a really good job and continues to shit. You know, he's, he's, a, you know, he's one of my go-to guys when, you know, what if I've got a problem? That's great. I mean, I got, I got to imagine it's, it couldn't have been easy for them. Like, you know, going out and auditioning and, and having kids and, you know, wanting to help them achieve their dreams at the same time. And like, that's a well, lot to yeah. juggle. No, well, you know, but my dad felt like his primary obligation, his primary responsibility was to raise his children. Now, if it came down to doing something that was parenting, it would trump a job. Now, he would try to do both because Dad has always been. I mean, he was just in Nebraska. He was in Lone Ranger. He, my dad works all the time. But, it, but you know, for, at, for that period of time, when he had kids, he felt like it was his job to watch them, not jump on an airplane and go spend Friday and Saturday night in Las Vegas. See, I, I, I feel you know, like or, there's... Or, or, or flying up to Tahoe and watching 
uh, Andy Griffith and and George Lindsay do, and you know Jim Neighbors do their little, you know, because they, they kind of had a hillbilly Rat Pack routine. I think they did for a while. Well, and you know, my dad could have easily been caught up in you know partying with those guys. Well, I, I feel like there's there's like people could take lessons now. I hate to use use the term nowadays because I'm sure there. I mean, there are. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. But people. Listen, you know, we could all take a lesson from John Wooden, and you probably don't know who John Wooden is. Who is John Wooden? John Wooden is the coach. He was the, he was the basketball coach for UCLA. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I, he, I, I know he lived to be damn near 100 years old, and if, you're, you, if you've spent any time with him and read anything that he's written, you'd go, my God, this guy's brilliant. I mean, like, like one of those guys that you would read and go, you know, this is better than self-help. Well, and my I my dad, who's going to listen to this, is a Bruin, and the fact that I didn't know who John Wooden is means that I'm going to have a very stern talking to in the time. Comes. Well, there you go. Well, then you'll know. You'll probably, you know what? You probably know the Christmas present you're going to get because he's got I, several books that he wrote about life, and I bet you you'll have one sent to you. Yeah, I've heard some of his um, like quotes from him, like from a weird source, because um, my husband gets the like razors by mail or whatever at some like razor dollar, month- shave, club. dollar shave club. There you go, and they send out these little bathroom buddy like things, and like this particular month they had a bunch of quotes from him. Like, and here's me because I'm not really into sports, so I didn't know who that was. But like, damn, the dude is like, like y- just from the few quotes that were in there, I was like, that's one smart motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, the point <laughs> being is, yeah, you know, I was blessed. Yes, one of them happened to be my dad. There's lots of people from lots of different points of life that that come out being pretty wise. The fact that dad sort of navigated through show business, and listen, this isn't a history lesson. I mean, I, you know, but the fact is, the key part is, you know, there is no denying that being in show business, being, being in the heart of show business, is a very intoxicating kind of experience. When somebody very powerful puts their arm around you, tells you how great you are, there's just no denying that it's going to make you feel juicy. You know, it's kind of like a shot of tequila or something. You know? Well, and yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to shit you. If you crave it and you get hooked on it, then it will mess your judgment up. So the idea is you, you got to navigate the intoxication too. You got to say to yourself, okay, there's no denying this is, you know, you can't be, you can't be a nun about it. You know, you can't. <laughs> You got to you got to accept what's happening to you, but you have to understand what the reality is. I want to sort of switch gears real quick because uh, because we are a Star Trek podcast. Uh, you were uh, how old when uh, when you went to do the Corbomite maneuver? You know, I wish I could tell you. I mean, I bet you somewhere I probably could and should because I have a work permit that year that would probably give the exact date of when I worked. I think when I was six. I think when I shot it, I was six because it was before Gentle Ben. It would be nineteen. I'll tell you real quick. It used to be okay. I was in the original Star Trek, and and people knew. And there's a wonderful story. It's true story that I met George Lucas. I I was going on an audition, and George was there in the room, and so was Francis Coppola, and there was another guy named Gino Havens, and and George was spun around in his big leather chair, so I couldn't see him. And it was really intimidating. I mean, I'm looking at one corner of my eye, and friggin' Francis Coppola is sitting there, you know. And then George spins around in his chair, and before I can take a breath, he says, Commander Baylock, Corbinite Maneuver. (laughs) That's awesome. 
I'm thinking to myself, George, get a life, buddy. <laughs> but but, but you're so great in that. You were you were awesome. Like I can't well, even imagine like you being. That. Thank you. And I and I say that teasingly. I didn't actually say it to him. But you know what happened was when when uh, Deep Space Nine came along, and uh, the, the first one, the one, the the um, oh, what was the first incarnation of the Star Trek television? Well, there was Star Trek. Then there next there was generation. next the Next Generation. Next Generation. I mean, yeah. Okay. So so. They, word came out, they didn't want actors that had been in both. Now, all of a sudden, there are very few that could compete with me because, I, you know, I was so young. But there were, at the beginning of Next Generation, there were a lot of actors who had done a lot of episodes of Star Trek, and they just didn't want to mess with reintroducing familiar faces. So policy was no. I actually, and policy was no on Deep Space Nine, but at that point they had kind of forgotten that I had been in in, in uh, Star Trek, and I actually auditioned one time, and, and I asked my agent, I said, listen, do, I mean, do they know? And they go, that doesn't matter, go ahead. <laughs> and I did not get the job. Came back, uh, I don't know, six weeks later, you know, auditioned for another thing and got the job. And I can guarantee you, they didn't know I was in the original Star Trek. Yeah, so that's what I, I bet they did. <laughs> so that broke that. And then by the time Enterprise came along, I mean, first of all, I knew Scott, and 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 all bets were off. I mean, they wanted us all. All of us, all of us that played Ferengis had been in Star Trek before. Yeah, you know, Ethan Phillips, Johnny Phillips, yep. and um, and Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jeffrey. He was, you know. I mean, we, we've crossed paths several times, but, but just in the Star Wars world, you know, and I wore Armin's head. They were all <laughs> were you <shelf>. seriously? <laughs> yeah, well, no, he, was, he had the biggest one. I have a big cranium. <laughs> and Armin's was the close, and in fact, Armin's was a real nice fit. Nice. So you guys know that you're cranially compatible. That's good. I, if you, you know, I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> now, now I would. I, I'm going to assume that on the original series, you're seven. Your perspective is very much that of a seven-year-old. Um, but as an adult, if you had to compare, like the the vibe on the two sets between DS9 and Enterprise, was there a, was the experience very similar, or was it very different? Well, it was different. You, you got to realize when you're a child, no matter what. First of all, you're isolated. Now, they don't do it. You know, you're not in a soundproof booth or anything like that. But, you know, you're either in the schoolroom or you're in your dressing room. And whatever chaos is happening, you're not really exposed to it. So if the set is well run, when it's time for me to work, I come out and we work. Because there's a limited amount of time you can use a kid. Mm -hmm. So my, my experience on the original Star Trek was really positive. I mean, I stepped, it was they were ready to do it and we did it, and everybody was smiling, and everybody was nice, and of course everybody's going to be nice. I mean, I, you know, it, 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 uh, nobody's going to, you know, drop a bunch of F-bombs around a six-year-old. I mean, if they do, they'll get a talking to, even back then. Um, and especially with Dad standing there. I mean, it, it, it really helped to have Dad there as my right-hand man. But anyway, the experience was good. By Deep Space Nine... By the time I worked that day, it must have been the, the 17th hour they've been filming. Poor Jonathan was just beaten to crap. As, as the director, 
So this is Jonathan, Jonathan Franks, right? Yeah, he was almost comatose. I mean, oh we had met and said hi and everything, you know, but it was like I could tell the last thing he wanted to do was do anything but just get the friggin' shot and go mm. home. Yeah. So, so it was a different environment. It was much more of the real-life world that a child would not be exposed to. I see what you're saying. So when you get when you get to Enterprise, it's really that episode is really the Ferengi show. Um, yeah, because yeah. the crew oh, the is like sedated. It was fun. And, and listen, they made me speak some sort of version of Ferengi, which is you know, really okay. You know, <laughs> I just knew. I you know, okay, you guys are all you guys who are aware of the whole makeup thing. You know, when those, those Ferengis had a lot of forced calls, and a forced call for an actor means money. Yeah, and you know, to put you in overtime. They have to. They have to. Well, not only are you in overtime, they have to call you back to work prior to your rest time. Oh right, and it's okay. a touch up. It's like an eight hundred dollar penalty, and actors don't mind it. I mean, you know, shit. Not everybody gets you know ten hours off or whatever it is. You know, right. But anyway, the, I think I had five forced calls on my episode of uh, uh, Enterprise. Wow, how long did the, the makeup alone take? Oh, I don't remember. A long time. Long enough to go into overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the makeup on. So, I mean, I guess they got to take advantage well, you know of it. It, it was different because it was, it was certainly off the rack, and I was putting on other people's stuff. I mean, I had been in the Grinch, and that was customized. That, those pieces were molded for my face. There was sort of a no-brain. There was a system set up, and, and there was certainly a system for, for Star Trek, but you know, I was using borrowed materials. Uh, my, the, the working on the Grinch, it was about a three-hour job. By the time you got through hair and makeup and wardrobe, put on the fat suit, you know, it was all done in stages. Wow. I, and you actually, you had makeup on even as a kid in the Corbomite Maneuver, right? Like, they kind of did the weird eyebrows and, like, yeah, kind of a... Yeah, skull cap. Yeah. You know, that was that. I had hair underneath. I didn't, I'm not like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 um... It was just one of those things where they'd ask me if I wanted to shave my head, and I said, no. Can we? i got to go back to school. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, back then. But, that listen, I, would, I didn't really consider that makeup. I, yeah, because I, I would think of being a kid, it, you know it's hard to sit around, like, still for them to, like, get you ready? Or were you just, like, good at that because you were so exposed to it so early? No, good at that because I was exposed to it so early. I, yeah, it, I so much of it is just by osmosis. You know, and it's just something pretty kind of interesting. One time Ron mentioned it to me. He goes, you know, God, when I'm in the editing room and one of your scenes, it's like you're always in the right place. You're always standing just in the right spot. And there are some actors when you cut them, cut them together, and, you know, they're not quite standing where they should be. There's an instinct about it, and there's just I obviously have learned, you know. I've been doing it since 1961. Yeah, I imagine that helps. Um, yeah. Before we get to before we get to Sparks, which we do need to talk about, there's um and I yeah, it's no. always it's 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 always a danger to uh to ask an actor to go deep into their into their past on TV. Um, there is a show that before I was a Star Trek fan was my favorite television show when I was a child. Um, so I'm just going to shoot out. Do you remember anything about your experience on Sledgehammer? Yeah. Um, because that was I could sing the theme song to you. I mean, I it's yeah, no, I. No, no funny david's a funny guy i like david rashi he's a good dude um but you know what like most actors my experience was a was an eight o'clock call and 
a one o'clock wrap. Really? Just so it just was a relatively short day. It was relatively uneventful. It was one of those shows where they were shooting it so fast. You barely had time to meet the guy who was the cameraman. It was, it was a genius show in my opinion. Yeah, now, no, I, no, no. Well, you know, it's David Rashi and those guys. I mean, it wasn't just him, but they, you know, they found him and, and he, his, his sense of humor was right in line with that. And, and, and they were trying to do kind of an old school, you know, I mean, they get smart and, and, and I mean, it's been tried and, and effective for years. Um, you know, that sort of comedy, that, that off the wall comedy, um, this movie that I just did that I, in fact, I'm going to Tribeca and support it called Intramural. I mean, there is no denying it's not sophisticated. It's not meant to be. It's Animal House and Revenge of the Nerds meet sports movies. Nice. And it's, it's it silly called? and it's campy and, you know, it's got that, in it, but it's good. It's for, for what it's doing, it's really doing it well. And I appreciate that. You know, and I have the same thing about Sparks. You know, Sparks was this little movie that Bill Cat told me, told me about, and I thought, eh, let me read it, you know, and I'll talk to the director. And as I talked to the director and I read the script, I went, shit, this, these people are, this is, these are, these people are really trying. They've got a vision. And they're not just, this is not student filmmaking. These, these, these guys, this guy, Chris, knows what he's doing. And so, you know, and, but it basically was that Bill Cat stood up for him. Bill is an old friend of mine, and, you know, I mean, Bill's, his tentacles reach deep. I mean, like myself, we've been around a long time. And, and, you know, he called me and he said, you know, you should take this guy seriously. And when I hear something like that from a friend, um, I take the man seriously. So anyway, Christopher made this movie, Sparks, shot it in 12 days. For and it's astounding. No money. Yeah, it's astounding. and it's amazing. Like, yeah, so well it done. Is. It really is, you know. And you know what I'm hearing now? And it's really sad, and it pisses me off. But that now people are taking pride in ripping it off. What? You know, BitTorrent. Oh, man. People are hacking into the system and stealing high-def images, high-def copies. All right, so let, 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 let me be the first person to say, because I don't have to say this. You might think that, that Clint has to say this because he was in the film. Alexi and I saw it in an Alamo draft house. Um, uh, I, I've made three action independent films myself, blown away to the point of being intimidated by how good this film was. And then in the Q&A afterward, when Chris said that he made it in the time he made it, I felt like I had been punched in the gut. By yeah, like, it, no, it looks really phenomenal. It looks you know, like a $20 million dollar movie. <laughs> the people he was able to get, the favors he was able to get, you know, listen, it takes a lot of wise business decisions. And, and nothing was illegal or cheating, but it was just, you know, it, 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 listen, he's got a couple of American Express cards he's trying to pay off. And they're just, God bless him. If he's willing to lay his testicles on the table, I'm certainly <laughs> willing to stand by and try to block the guy, try to mash him. You right. Know? I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, not always successful. But when I hear about this BitTorrent, people ripping shit off, you know, people stealing somebody's hard work. You know, you know, it's one thing to say I'm ripping off the capitalists. I'm ripping off the system. Right. I'm like when, it, yeah, when it's yeah, when it's like the big names and stuff. Like I don't think it bothers me as much, right? When people are ripping off, you know, big names in Hollywood or whatever. But like, his own yeah, on the, yeah, he he's like got bills on the table, and shame on you. It's like I, you know, I had an experience where there was an old fellow who was very close to me. His his uh, wife died, 
And he was a man of means. He had some money. And a pretty conservative guy. He had a fairly large amount of money in his checking account. Somebody from the mortuary started manipulating his checking account. This is a grieving widower. Oh, my gosh. He's manip- they're manipulating this guy's checking account, making deposits, making withdrawals, making deposits, making withdrawals, and then they go for the big score. And he- here are people who think it's okay to rip off a grieving widower. <laughs> it's like, what oh sort my- of animal are you? Yeah. Seriously. Well, I the think same the- thing. I mean, I just I, I talked to Chris not not too long ago, and his chin is up, and it's 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 selling surprisingly well. Except if you would add the BitTorrent new. Yeah, I mean, would, the, it, here's the thing: you guys put so much work. Like, why wouldn't like I like I never feel cheated or like oh this is overpriced or like why like you know what I mean? Like I see the blood, sweat, and tears in that stuff, and it's like I want to give you my money. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that, like, not wanting, like, I guess maybe if you've never had to struggle to put together art like that, you don't get it. But, like, listen up, people. Like, it's not easy. That shit is really hard. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, listen, you know, but a lot of people will thrust their fists in the air and go, you know, those evil capitalists, those evil corporate, you know, greedy bastards. But this is clearly not greedy bastards. This is what I'm saying. Like, this is, this is obviously a labor of love. This is a man who had a vision, who had a story to tell. Your life's not fair. You want fair, you go to Pomona. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Um, uh, You don't have to buy sparks. If you're not sure about sparks, if you have PlayStation, if you have Xbox, if you have, uh, I think uh, you can get an Amazon on demand. Um, you can you can watch this movie for three bucks, three four bucks. Yeah, you, you can, can rent you, it. You can yeah. watch the damn thing. It's so um, you know? But listen, and, it is something. It's a, for any filmmaker or anybody interested in the cinema. The, the fact that it was made for such low money, the quality of the picture, and not that yes, sure, it's it shows every once in a while you see a few wrinkles and you see a few spots where if there was more money it would be better. But you know what? That's what we got. And just it's a fascinating. It's it's part of the laboratory, and trust me, you know movies are gonna they're forever gonna be changing, and and you know they're gonna learn to do a cheaper mousetrap, and that's what's gonna go next, you know, and that's what we applaud Chris for is you know at this point he 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 built an awfully good mousetrap for fewer dollars. Well, and and if you're a fan of Watchmen or Sin City, those are the two I would go to for the style of film. Um, yeah, it oh, is- exactly. And I mean, they, it's, a gra- it's based on a graphic novel. I mean, if you're expecting to see, you know, Long Day's Journey and Tonight, you're 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 on the wrong track. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a film noir. It it tips its cap to like that genre of '40s and '50s gangster movies, and it also has this kind of graphic novel feel. But it also is about a character who isn't quite sure of himself, which makes the it, that's what made the project so brilliant is the character itself matched the kind of movie it was. Yeah, it's you a know, very it flawed was, it, person, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, conflicted. Yeah, I love that. It's very human. Like, I think a lot of times when we, you know, a lot of the the other sort of big budget superhero movies that are out like and i love those movies too i'm not knocking them at all but like sure. i think you have it's it's certainly light or fair you know what i mean i think we're not we don't see as even as you know the dark night as dark as that was like i don't you know what i mean there's a darkness here that's a little bit 
you know, it's a little runs a little deeper if you know what it's I mean. Grittier. It, it yeah, feels, it's grittier. It feels in in that way. I think that the low budget helps the film, and it feels you know it it somehow feels closer. The blood feels a little more real. The hits seem like they hurt a little bit more than yeah. you know as good as Captain America is, and I loved it. Um, there's something about this that, in the same way that I, you know, I enjoyed the Blair Witch Project and Clerks and the forerunners of low-budget filmmaking. This is this this is the this is going to be seen as like the I I think the forerunner of like the superhero genre is the biggest thing in the world, and this is the forerunner of the independent superhero uh, film. Let's hope. Um, I I, I want to share with you real quick. I uh, we um I got to uh to meet Bill at the um at the premiere, and I. Um, admittedly, Alexia was really cool. She was really smooth. Um, I oh, that's funny. <laughs> Clint, Clint, I, I I so dorked out to the point where at the end, Chris, uh, we were all leaving, and, and Chris gives me a graphic novel, and and Bill has has already done his signing. He's talking to Ashley. I interrupt Bill's conversation with Ashley after he's been signing for an hour and a half, um, and I had already been sort of behind the mic. It sort of works, but in person, it's like I felt like I had been really intense. I walked away, and he was just kind of like, "Really? Like, really, dude? You interrupted me for that?" And so I think I maybe geeked out on on Bill. Um, so, it, it, um, <laughs> it was, but anyway, he's it, dealt with it before. <laughs> My God, you know. Put it this what? way: if you want him to put the suit on gonna be six figures sport <laughs> <laughs> it, it leads it leads me to this question which is a question i like to ask anyone i know who who does interact with with hollywood and with big stars is there anyone for you because when i saw him it's like it's great it's american hero yeah, yeah you know and and hopefully we get to talk to him for the show and i you know I'll, I'll be able to do it in this context which is easier is there anyone for you that like at this point when you meet that you get nervous around that you oh, know yeah. get, um, who like? There, there are people that I have not met that I would just would hope before I pass or before they pass, I have the opportunity to meet with them. I've so, met with so many wonderful, beautiful people, people that have imparted such wonderful wisdom. I've got a couple in mind, and I would love to chat with them, and it just hasn't lined up that way. I mean, I've gotten to meet Bob De Niro, and as wacky as this sounds, I, I've always wanted to meet Randy Quaid. <laughs> Turned out pretty wacky, but I met him. Um, but I'd always, I'd love to have a conversation with Jack Nicholson and I'd also love to have dinner sometime with David Bowie. So, so even when you are a star, there are people who are stars to you. Oh yeah. That's, that's, of course. And I've worked with them. I mean, I worked with Bob De Niro. He's a good guy. He he proved to me that, yeah, well, there's a reason why the guy's good is he's good. Well, that, that 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 makes that makes me feel a little better. It's like you wander out to Yankee Stadium and you just hear somebody hitting line drive after line drive in batting practice, and you get up there and you watch this guy take a few swings and you realize, Jesus, this guy's just better than anybody else out here, is he? I I know that they're just people, but like sometimes, like you know, because seeing you on Star Trek and you're just so adorable in that DS9 episode and like it's you know it's hard for me to not geek out a little bit and be like oh it's okay hey you know as long as you do it with respect and you know while a guy isn't in the middle of conversation with a beautiful lady or in the (laughs) middle of a meal because yeah you know breaking into a guy's conversation may have been a little geeky Man, and, 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 and immediately you ever have one of those moments where you step up and then you realize you've already done it (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 hey, uh, yes, I have. I've, yes, I have geeked too. And I promise you, I've got this little anti-geek thing that I can do. I can make a phone call and I can put a little anti-geek whammy on you. I can call Bill and say, hey, you remember the guy? 
<laughs> oh boy. And if there's any geek stain on him, I'll get him to remove it. Awesome. Well, well, we're 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 hoping to get him on the show soon. So so so. Um, uh, yeah, feel yeah, free. He's a cool. He's a cool cat. He seemed like it's. He certainly seemed like it was a pleasure to get to talk with him. And well, I'll tell you what. In all seriousness, he he was right about Chris. You know, here's a guy who vouched for a guy. You know, yep. and and it turned out that he vouched for the right guy. Well, Clint, I re- I I don't want to monopolize your time. I know that you you're so giving. I, and, yeah. And uh, um, what a dude! What an honor! And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, it's my listen. It's my pleasure to support the film. It's and and you guys seem like nice folks, and I'm and and I've got time. I mean, I just ate dinner, and I'm sitting out here. And yes, I do need to go because I've got a couple little chores to do before the sun goes down. But but it's been very pleasant, very pleasant well, conversation. Well, thank you, thank you thank very much. You. If we if we get a chance to have you back on, like we're we're going to be premiering our film in a in probably six or seven months. Maybe we'll give you a call again and see just check in and course. see how everything's Please going. Do. Stay in touch. All right, thanks so much. Oh, you have you. been fantastic. Um, we always end our show saying the same thing. So uh, if you wouldn't mind joining us, uh, we say Trek off, bitches. So, so Trek, Trek off, bitches. There we have it. Oh, wow. Um, that was astounding. Um, just like, like I, I'll be honest, I stopped geeking out after about two minutes because I feel like he immediately put you at ease. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's just a cool guy. <laughs> he was just Clint. He was Clint, who just yeah. happens to have been in my. Who just happens? Life. Yeah, who just happens <laughs> to do all this cool stuff? So um, I, I read on the uh, I read on Wikipedia the Lifetime Achievement Award for MTV when they presented it. They had a bunch of people giving testimonials, and it was like you know Clint is such an amazing guy. He's just a, a pleasure to work with. He's awesome on the set, and they kept referring to him as Clint. And everybody thought it was like to give the impression that it was for Clint Eastwood. Howard. So I wasn't, I obviously this was, you guys were already talking. I wasn't going to try to bring it up while you guys were on the air, but uh, I just thought that was, that was funny the way they did that. Um, He's like, he's like the Hollywood's every man, you know? Um, my my mom totally wanted me to say hi because she loved gentle Ben and we barely talked about gentle Ben and I didn't say hi. And so wow. I'm in trouble. Um, well, that's like there's one thing she said. Show again, so. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I mean, I look. This is, I guess, a shorter episode than usual. Um, but there's no reason to overstate. I mean, what are we going to do that's going to be cooler than that? Right? Like, <laughs> let's let's talk. Let's talk about some Trek that we watched this week. You know, I, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah. I watched yeah, that the was outstanding. I, I'm I, I'm putting together an email, a thank you note to him right now. Um, Kay, can you tell him that that uh, that my mom says hi? I will. <laughs> Just tell him that, and, and yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, out of trouble. Whew, dodge that Ooh, bullet. Dodge that uh, bullet. Well done. Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, if you're listening to the first time, uh, because you saw that this interview was happening, uh, go to trekoffpodcast.com and check out all the other awesome stuff that we do. And then go to trekoffmovie.com and watch our trailer. Um, that's what we want you to do. Watch the trailer first uh, and tell the world that Trek Off Movie exists. Like, Trek Off the Motion Picture. Just like, take that link. Don't just watch the trailer. Don't just like it. Copy that link. Put it in your Facebook, your Twitter, your Pinterest, your snail mail. Fax it. Fax uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fax, please. Really, I would like to start a faxing campaign. Okay, like, or or buy a stamp. Yeah, I'm not sure what those are. I've heard talk of it. I think you have to go to a place called a post office. 
to use. Uh, weird. Stamp. Yeah, I'm not weird. sure where you find those. Um, but yeah, fax campaign. Like, do they have all posts around. there? It's weird. <laughs> I don't um, know. I <laughs> uh, um, uh, so yeah, go there. Check out checkoutmovie.com. Checkoutpodcast.com. Uh, wow, this has been astounding. My name is Justin, and my name is Alexia. Trek off. Trek off. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over 100 hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com, trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.